The following program is intended for mature audiences. Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. It's Big Boom Radio Friday, people, so it's time once again for the Big Boom Radio podcast, Riffs and Rants, with Johnny Teflon and Michael Sean Lee. Both barrels, both sides, and a lot of good music, too. All I know is this violates every canon of respectable broadcasting. Indeed it does, my friend, indeed it does. And we'll be right back, folks, after the first gem of the day.
I dug that. That was good. I'm telling you, man. Ow. Yes. The long, long lost Lemonheads. Kind of long lost. Kind of so. Yeah, definitely yeah. A, a 90s one hit wonder. Yeah, and Dando fell off the radar and deservedly so, I must say. Right. I mean, but well, hey, before we go any further, I oh got to yeah. say, in my absence last week, once again, you did shine, Johnny. <laughs> you shine. <laughs> you know, I, I fell we, off the that's planet. That's what we call a, like uh, a hit it and quit it episode. Yeah, it was you ran with it. Yeah, 45 minutes it. long. We got to visit. Luckily, I was able to call up uh, Professor Snoof. He came out. Nice. And hopefully everything worked out with your investigative reporting on Chrysler. Indeed. Indeed. I'll, I'll look for that in the, uh, the accompanying Pulitzer Prize <laughs> at a later date. And always good to hear from Snoof, I got to say. Sure. You know, got to know what the doctor's up to. Got to know what's on his mind. You got to know. That's truer than you know. You need to know where the doctor is at all times because, <laughs> <No> damn. <doubt. laughs> so, yes, that was the Lemonheads version of Mrs. Robinson. Really great tune. Great oh, version. One of my favorite yeah. covers of all time, without a doubt. That was, you know, obviously originally from the Simon and Garfunkel uh, album Bookends from 1968. Mm -hmm. uh, Lemonheads busted it out in 1992 as a single, uh, not knowing, but it blew up. So they, it was later included uh, on the re-release of their, their seminal album. I think it might have been their only album. It's a shame about Ray. Mm -hmm. You know, so it was like an after-the-fact thing. Right. But, uh, but yeah, it blew up for him. And it was, it's a good cover. Yeah. And you when know? I pitched it to you, you jumped on it like I was throwing B, like a, like a treat. I was digging it. Man. Absolutely. That was <laughs> fucking inspired. It was inspired, Johnny. Well, it was one of those, you know, tunes, like, you know, from that era that I had completely forgotten about. Yep, yep. And it was like, you know, when we played it, it was like, that's tasty. Yeah, let's go with that. Let's go with that. Left everybody happy. Yeah, and speaking of which, Johnny. Yeah. Why did we go with that? Well, it's funny. It's it's a it's a slim connection, but there's a connection there. Ah. And as usual, watch me make it make sense somehow. Does it does it have something to do with the line where have you gone, Joe DiMaggio? It sure as hell does. Oh. And even more so than that, it's the reference to baseball, which is going to be part of our main topic today. But also, it's. Uh, Really has to do with the state of baseball and and kind of a then versus now thing and yeah. kind of where are we going? Not where did you go, Joe DiMaggio. It's more like where, where are, the we, hell are going, we going, yeah. Joe DiMaggio? Yeah, just like everything else in the world these days, it's like what's up with this, right? Yeah. And as we, I'm fond of saying, sometimes things just hit you like a brick upside the head, yeah, or a baseball to the face. Indeed. And let's let's <laughs> let's let's qualify here. Johnny is a Mets fan. He is. Yes. Yes. Long suffering, as is always the case. I am a Red Sox fan. Came with the baptism. Couldn't Fair get enough. out of it. Couldn't get out of it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you noticed a little trend, I guess, happening. How about that? Yes, in, in Major League Baseball, that's just maybe a little disturbing. Yeah, and it it originally caught my eye because yeah. uh, the Mets, in particular, in their opening series with the Nationals, the one, uh, like a second or third game of the season, three guys got beaned really in the same night, and oh, then the wow. next night followed up with another guy getting beaned. That's like bench clearing shit. You try to hit him, didn't you? No, I just got to me! And it was. Yeah. Okay, but cooler heads prevailed. All right. But as I looked around and I uh, did a little Googling, yeah. it is not only on the rise, but it's at all-time highs as far as players getting hit by pitches. Wow. And as we're going to explore, there's any number of reasons for that. Yeah. But the bottom line is, and this is a little snippet of why this is important to me. I, um, growing up in my neighborhood... There was a, a fella, and I'll, I'll name him because, you know, you can look him up. His name was Jerry DePoto. Okay. 
grew up a couple doors down from me. Great kid, super nice kid, nice yep. family. Yep. He uh, grew up to become a professional baseball pitcher, did a stint with the Mets. All right. And then, um, because again, he knows baseball, he's very bright, he became a general manager. And okay. I think at last stint, he was with the Angels. I'm not sure if he's still with that organization. Yeah. But him and I were just like playing stickball one day, waiting for the other kids in the neighborhood to come out. Yeah. And, you know, Truth in advertising, I was a horrible stickball player, okay? <laughs> I'm a football guy. I'm a minute, martial arts guy. Minute, you're from Jersey, and you suck at stickball? I know. It's how, just, how did that happen? Uh, it's just horrible. A, a kid from Brooklyn, no less, and I Ow. can't play stickball, right? Ow. But as I'm sitting here at bat, thank God we were using tennis balls. Yeah. Jerry just, we're just, you know, he's throwing pitches in, and I'm smacking the ball if I can like, get a bat on it. Yeah. And uh, this one particular pitch, not... It was purely unintentional, but he beamed me with it. Just a bit outside. Okay. And to the day I die, I will never forget watching this this tennis ball because you freeze. Yeah. When you know it's like that fast coming right at you, and it hit me squarely right between the eyes. Ooh. And of course, bounced off. You know, no damage done. Tennis and he was ball, apologetic. Sure. He didn't yeah. mean to do it. Yeah. But that instant is one of those little childhood moments that just always stayed with me. Yeah. So from that being a you know, a, a decent baseball fan, not a fanatic per se. Right. I would always take umbrage with the uh, the old guard, the old grizzled managers with the mouthful of tobacco, yeah, yeah, yeah. using beanings as kind of one of the untold laws of the game yeah, to little, maintain little order. Chin music is what they used to call it. Exactly. Yeah. Give them a heater. And you, which you'll, I'm sure you'll touch on as a, as a Red Sox fan, yep. have seen players get nailed and taken out. Well, that's the thing, man. If you're a Sox fan and you know your Sox history and you know Tony C, Tony Canigliaro, mm-hmm. you know, and, and an amazing young ball player whose career was cut tragically short because he took one in the face and never recovered. Right. Yeah, you're not, you're not necessarily cool with that whole exactly. concept, you know? Yeah, and it's just something about that, that old guard, well, this is how we do things, or yeah. whatever. Yeah. You know, looking at baseball now, pretty much all of the other unsung rules, like the spikings and the yeah. charging, yeah. you know, the, the, the home plate, the knock the ball out of the guy's hand, oh, yeah. they've eliminated all this stuff. Well, it's in a transitionary period, definitely. Yeah, right. you, you can't take out, you know, the shortstop at second base and the double play thing, and catchers can't, physically block the plate anymore like they used to be able to. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think about that. You know, in the old days, you had to dislodge the catcher right. who's parked his ass on home plate, and he's not going anywhere. And in baseball terms, even more so than, you know, bottom of the ninth, two outs, fire-handed, like, Iowa hayseed on the mound versus yep. the grizzled batter. Yep. More confrontational than that in baseball, to me, is the ultimate running for home, and you're going to nail this guy yep. like Pete Rose in flight yes, <laughs> to knock yes. the ball out of his hands. Uh-huh. Yep. It's really the most confrontational moment in baseball. I know. It was supposedly non-contact sport. Right. Yeah. And it just it was allowed to happen because it's just it's the way we Part play of the, the game. game. Right. Part of the game. Now, oh, we yeah. have two different theories on why there's this, this massive uptake because the bottom line is beanings, so that's what I'm going to call it, yep. are not only on the rise, but they're at an all-time high. And this yeah. is a trend that's been increasing over the last four years and showing no signs of letting up. Oh, shit. Already this season, say we're at like just over a full week into the season, yeah. there's already been 86 guys beaned that by baseball. seems like a lot. Right. And on track, based on the last four seasons, yeah. it'll go well over 2,000 by the end of this season. That seems like an awful lot. Right? That's yeah. a lot of Russian roulette, in my opinion. That's as far scary as, shit. Right. It is. As far as all these guys walking away scot-free. Oh, so, yeah. Well, most of these guys, too, these pitchers these days... 
you know, with the focus on velocity, a lot of these guys are. That's know, one of the reasons they're saying it. You know, in the high nineties, man. Because walks are always are also on an all time high. Right. So they're just wheeling this ball in there. Yeah. They know they're on a pitch count, so they're letting it all hang out for whatever seventy to eighty pitches they want them to do yep. in a game. Yep. Right. Oh yeah. And meanwhile, you've got. The batter's wearing armor, you know. They got the, <laughs> the the helmet with the big flap. Looks like the great gazoo helmet that yeah. comes down. Yeah. They got shoulder guards. They got shin guards. They got wrist plates on. It, yeah. it, it's like medieval warfare. Looking like stormtroopers from fucking Star Wars. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, because of that, perhaps they're lulled into some complacency and they're Digging not looking a to little? dive out of, the, yeah. out of the way. Yeah. But balls do crazy things. Oh, yeah. Let's hope that's not the number one soundbite for today. That's an interesting thought. <laughs> <laughs> but balls do crazy things. They ricochet. Sometimes they come back around. Oh, yeah. Well, the idea that these guys are completely in control of some of these major league pitchers, you know, relying on the spin mm-hmm. and whatnot. Yeah, a lot of times with a lot of these guys, particularly with the focus on velocity, you know, control kind of goes by the wayside. Right. And, it, yeah, we're, we're in a, you know, obviously a, a transitional phase for, for baseball. You know, a lot of these things that were cool you know, in, in the bygone era, no longer cool anymore. Right. And I think there's, there's definitely an adjustment going on here. And Buck Showalter, manager of the Mets, came out with um, an opinion of the day, which I thought was great. Yeah. You know, they allow, within reason, all kinds of substances for the uh, batters right. to get a better grip, grip on, the, on bat. the bat. Sure, sure. And yet there's no universally approved tacky substance of any kind for the pitchers to use to keep a better grip on the ball. That's right. Just okay. last season, they cracked down on them. Yeah. Right. So now they've got nothing. Not to say some guys don't get away with it, but basically there's nothing because they're afraid of making the substance slick. Okay. Because yeah. yeah. I've never heard of like a sticky substance on a ball affecting anything. It's either they put a slickening substance on there via right. snot or Vaseline or spit, <laughs> yeah. or they would scuff it. With um, with a nail file, which will affect the rotation. Yeah, the stickiness factor really, if you're throwing a ball, shouldn't do anything. Yeah. Okay. Well, so I'm thinking to myself, this, you know, maybe they should do that. Yeah. Well, there's all this focus on uh, spin ratio. Mm-hmm. You know, and like you said, how if you mark up the ball with a fingernail or some shit, how that would make the ball move and whatnot. Right. And how they are cracking down on these guys as far as like substances, mm-hmm. you know, that would give them a better grip on the ball. Suddenly, they don't have a better grip on they the ball. They don't. And apparently the rosin bag ain't doing shit. No. No. And, and <laughs> probably never did. And I was looking for show, you know. You know, those are all the, the technical, you know, scientific facts as to why maybe these things are on the rise. Yeah. You had a different opinion, though. I did. I did. You know, when we started talking about this pre-show... Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Again, you know, there's, there's a number of different theories behind this that, that could explain it. You know, obviously the short spring training, you know, mm-hmm. that was delayed because of the strike. You know, maybe these, these pros, these serious, serious pitchers... They aren't up to the level of precision that they normally would be at the start of the season because right. spring training was cut short. Mm-hmm. That's one theory. Another theory is like we were just talking about baseball, you know, in a transitional period, you know, a lot of the old school shit is going by the wayside, the new school shit's coming in. You know, maybe some of these guys aren't too cool with it. Maybe they want to remind people about, you know, the significance of chin music, you right. know? <laughs> but then there's the other theory that we were talking about that, you know, on the surface sounds a little outside, but maybe it's not. You know, maybe this is an indicator of, you know, a society-wide violence issue. Uh, in, two, in 2021, uh, over 10 major cities in the U.S. Uh, hit historic highs in murders. Mm-hmm. 
Homicides nationwide rose 29% in 2021. You know, like you and I were talking about, you know, with the pandemic and inflation, you know, the shit going on, you know, with Russia and the Ukraine and whatnot, it seems like there's bad news everywhere you look these right. days. There's no right. escaping it. Maybe baseball, which in a lot of ways has always been a reflection of American society, mm-hmm. is reflecting this as well. Message! The you same know? American society that just watched somebody get the taste slapped out of their mouth on the Oscars. Yeah, okay? yeah. So when you think of things in that term, of, of the reality that we're literally in right now, yeah. the theory of a, um, a culture of violence permeating our sports is not that far-fetched. It doesn't seem it, does really it? not. You don't I need mean, to be a psychologist to see a trend out there, yeah. whether it's, you call it personal restraint, common decency, whatever, yeah. or the, the Marquis de Queensberry rules. <laughs> All that shit's been thrown out the window. Oh, yeah. Well, there's a good point you just made. Who the fuck <clears throat> thought, watching the Oscars, that you were going to see somebody slap somebody else? Right. And anger. And anger, yeah. You know? <laughs> So it's, it's, maybe it's, yeah, maybe it's not that too yeah. far-fetched. But it's, in a sport, like you mentioned, transitionally, I mean, baseball, look, we, we had that little junior lockout, yeah. which I think at the 11th hour, cooler heads prevailed and said, look, guys, this isn't the 80s anymore, okay? No. Football rules the roost now as America's pastime, mm-hmm. and it's not even contested, okay? Yeah. As dirty as, as some of the elements of the NFL are. Yeah. You got the NBA now quite literally eating baseball's lunch. Yep. No because doubt. Because it's just marketed so much better. Oh, you know, yeah. it's faster, it's it's more fun to, to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, baseball resting on its laurels and its history is not going to get the job done. No. So now is not the time that you want this shit to ride off the rails and turn it to something that people are uncomfortable watching. Because yeah. how long, I mean, at a 2000 perspective, Beanings. I mean, who's who would go to a Vegas window right now and say, "Okay, I'm gonna, I'll take that bet that out of those two thousand, nobody winds up in the hospital." Who yeah. would take that bet? Or nobody fucking dies, right? Yeah, and this we're isn't NASCAR. Guys, we're not looking for the, for the crashes. Oh yeah, you know? these these are guys again. You know, are focused on velocity. They're, you know, it's it's the norm is throwing ninety five plus these days for your starting pitchers. Actually, since you brought it up, hey, ninety two point seven is the average fastball right okay. now. Okay, yep. okay, give them a heater. And you know, for me anyway, you know, baseball has always been, you know, right there with religion as far as being an opiate of the masses. Yes. You know, it is it is a harbinger of summertime, mm-hmm. you know, and green grass and, and, and hot, humid July nights. A celebration of calmness. Yeah. I mean it, it ties into everything. It's part Very of our literature, so. yes. our poetry, our music, as mm-hmm. it was so easy picking out gems for this episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's it really is. It's part of American culture. Yeah. And yet it's looking a bit foreign these days. Yeah, it's suddenly getting violent. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much the last thing we need right, right now right. With, with baseball, you know, you know or, again, or anything else for that matter. Where have you gone, Joe DiMaggio? I'm telling you, man. Seriously. Paul, uh, the Paul heroes Simon of our youth. Never, never wrote a truer line than that, you know. Yep. And, uh, yeah, very telling indeed. Attention, please. Attention. There's been a slight change in the teetotaler lineup. Catching, Bugs Bunny. Left field, Bugs Bunny. Right field, Bugs Bunny. Pitching, Bugs Bunny. Third base, Bugs Bunny. Center field, Bugs Bunny. First base, Bugs Bunny. Shortstop, Bugs Bunny. Second base, Bugs Bunny. Are we there, Johnny? Is, well, it, time, is it time to, uh, yeah, to veer today's, off? Yeah, because today's main topic's a little shorter because we got so much more to get through. Yeah, so let's uh, pull the trigger, so to speak. <laughs> oh, 
And let's let's hit the good folks at home with our middle gem. What did we come up with on this one? What do you think? Another fun, whimsical one because we are so eclectic. We went to one of our mutual favorite classic rock bands. The Who? Uh, the Who, nice, indeed. With nice. one of their early hits, Substitute. I like it. Yeah. Let's spin that for the good folks. Enjoy the lyrics because it's so much all about what our subtopic is going to be. <laughs> and we'll be back in a few more minutes with some more things. Yes, and some stuff. Thank you, man. 
Just a good Who song. You can't go wrong with the Who. You really In my can't. opinion, like even more so, this is going to cause an uproar, <laughs> even more so than my generation, that is my favorite, let's say older, in air quotes, yeah. Who song. Yeah. That's where I want to start the catalog with that tune. I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I you know, respect my generation and mm-hmm. how it captured the zeitgeist. Sure. But Pete Townsend was such an epic lyric writer yep. that he progressed so far beyond that. That and it's got all of those things. It's got great lyrics. The yeah. sound, it starts off very Herman's Hermits. It does, And then yeah. goes like very animals very quickly. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. It just and you, works. Yeah, again, and you listen to the lyrics, you know? Yep. And it's funny, like, going uh, or keeping up with the theme we had with the first song as far as, like, the single being released and blowing up and then, ooh, we better put that on an album. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing with Substitute. It was originally released as a single in March of 1966. It blew up. So later on, they included it on the compilation album Meaty Beaty Big and Bouncy. Yep. Which I was just looking for an excuse to say Meaty Beaty Big and Bouncy. I was just and looking we, for we had it. touched on it once before, and I said, yes. to you, Do you know that refers to each member of The Who? Is that what it is? Because, let me run this down again. Right. Um, Meaty was Roger Daltrey because he was a fitness freak yes. at the time. Yes. Beaty is obviously um, Keith. Uh, Keith Moon, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, big. Wait, where's it go? Meaty, beady. Me, big. Big. Big has got to be Ant Whistle. It's yes, got to be. Because he was the biggest one in the group. Yep, yep. And then Bouncy is Townsend. Bouncy is Townsend. Because if you've ever seen a Who performance, like before Pete turned 60, right. <laughs> he was fucking Bouncy. Yeah. You know? But that's exactly where they lifted the title from to describe them at, at the time. Which is tasty as hell. That's a great anecdote. I'm usually the one with the anecdote, so Johnny, tip of the hat to you on that one. They are part of my inner circle of my top five favorite bands, hands down. Nice. Hands down. Nice. So, uh, as, ob- as is always the case, the agenda. The agenda. Yes. Well, <laughs> this is actually a, a story we sat on for two weeks because there's so much going on right yeah, now. Yeah, file this to, one to under talk about. bad optic. But, um, yeah, that's... Oof. Yeah. Uh, President uh, Obama uh, recently visited the White House. He did. And, of course, the press corps was all over it. Oh, Jesus. And regardless of, of what side of the aisle you're on... The optics weren't good. Well, it's like they served up a meatball to the press on this one. It yes. was like, where was the planning on this? Where were the, <laughs> the sharper minds of the Democratic Party yeah. that would do this? Again, it was like putting a boa constrictor in a baby crib. Yeah. Nothing good is going to happen. Two words came to my mind, <laughs> fucking oblivious. <laughs> fucking so oblivious. So got a, ah. a well-rested... Um, and you know what? It almost reminded me of that famous political cartoon of FDR on election or on his way to do this uh, acceptance speech, right. basically. Right. And he's in a limo with, with a very dour Herbert Hoover. <laughs> That's what it reminded me of. Because here's Obama, well rested, uh, rock star. Just he's living the life now. Yeah, he's, he's doing the, the stage circuit, man, right? He's groovy, he's you know. Cool. Oh, yeah. And then here's Joe in the middle of it and Ugh. just. Aging rapidly before our eyes, yeah. And the way the, the like the groupies were surrounding um, Obama. Yeah. Now there is some controversy because there was footage of of our president looking a bit. You know, at my age, the mind starts playing tricks. Confused. Portrait which, of a man getting his ass kicked. Yeah. Well, you were convinced at the time yeah. that it was. Purely edited footage never happened. And the only other one to pick up that story was Rolling Stones. So. Yeah, oh, well, is, so that I'm a little is that skeptical. what you're dragging out now? I'll just, oh, I'll okay. just say it because okay. it needs to be said. Okay. But the bottom line is, no matter, 
oh, shit, Joker did cartwheels with sparklers in his hands, and he still would not have been able to take the spotlight away from Obama. This is true. This so is it got true. me thinking, and I'm thinking to myself, huh, maybe this is a skit. And it morphed into <laughs> the longest title oh, of a skit ever. There we go. Uh, our top three worst actors or actresses to play a role after someone else knocked it out of the park. Yeah, and it's been a little bit since we busted the top three. So oh, a couple episodes at least. Time sure, we got sure. back to this. Yeah. Yes, yes. Or at least one as whimsical and opinionated as this one. Because <laughs> we do well, love our movies. We, we fancy ourselves armchair yes. critics. And you we know. are masters at whimsical and opinionated. That we are. We do that. We that are. Is, that is our wheelhouse. Because we're, we're the sons of bitches that brought that Rumpelstiltskin. There we go. Don't ever forget. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that what do you got, said, John? Yeah, give me your, give me your, give me your. All right. So uh, we each got three. Here. Yeah, yeah, we got three. Of these. I mean, we, right. we made a big list, folks. Because yep. yeah, yep. This, this happens a lot. Somebody steps into a role. Someone else already made famous. Yep. They try and duplicate the success, and the magic's and just not falls perilously short. Yeah. Right. So rather than use real world like instances and 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 positions that this has happened to. We uh, chose to go with actors and actresses, also known as professional pretenders. There we go. Looking at you, Oscar Gallery. <laughs> and here's our choices. So my third one, yes. uh, I'm going to roll in with uh, Julianne Moore coming after Jodie Foster Ooh. in the role of Clarice Starling from the Silence of the Lambs movies. Not that she didn't do a good job. But Jodie killed it. Killed she it. I mean, killed it reinvigorated it. Jodie's career. Let's, let's, it is what it is. Yeah, you as know? sharp as Julianne Moore is in her choice of roles and the yes. scripts and the movies that she does, I was a little surprised she took that one on. Yeah. Just I, because, like I said, Jodie murdered it. Sure. She set the bar so high. And that's the thing. She, she murdered it so hard that nobody else could take that thinking, well, let me get my spin on it. No, just shut up and sit down. Yeah. Do something else. And Julianne, like I said, she's a, she's a very capable actress. Not yep. to take away from her, yep. it was admire her cojones for that one. Yeah, yeah. and you'll see that as a th- as a common thread probably with most of her choices. Yeah, not so much the actress' fault. Usually the scripts, you know, are yep. trying yep. to recreate magic, which yep. you can't do. Yeah, well, my number three kind of falls into that that territory a little bit. All right. I guess um, I'm thinking about uh, the Matrix and okay. the the character of the Oracle. Uh, Gloria Foster, you know, in the first two Matrix films, just absolutely killed that role of the Oracle. And unfortunately passed away between the making of the second one and the third one. Uh, Mary Alice, you know, to her credit, jumped in for the third one, uh, Matrix Revolutions, but just couldn't couldn't hit that level, couldn't hit that bar as high as it was. You know, no fault to her. Like I said, you know, Gloria Foster... Passed away, mm-hmm. you know something had to be done, and you know admire Mary Alice's you know hootsvah right. for jumping into such an iconic role. But and look, just at least they the didn't same. replace her with Whoopi. Aye. The Holocaust isn't about race. Ugh. So anyway, <laughs> moving right along. Are you trying to get me off the Whoopi tangent? Nah. Would I ever say anything bad about Whoopi? Nah, yes, I yeah, would. Yeah. Every day of the week, twice on Sunday. <laughs> oh God. Ugh. Yeah. Black Moving female right Alec Baldwin. Hey okay, now. Whatever. Hey now. All right. So my number two choice <laughs> would be uh, Billy Bob Thornton. Okay. Coming uh, or attempting to fill the shoes of Walter Matthau in the remake of the Bad News Bears. What the fuck was Billy Bob thinking? Seriously. I mean, Matthau, loved him in Sling Blade. Loved him in Armageddon. Oh, a capable actor. Very, very capable. You know, actor. he's got his chops. He's no but doubt. That's like taking that one on. Yeah. As it just Matthau just. Iconic, and it was one of those movies that just for me, yeah, 
was full of, you know, they tried to duplicate it, but the thing they forgot about the Bad News Bears, the original, not the, the horrible sequels with William Devane and everybody <laughs> yeah. else, but that first one had so much heart. And gravitas. Right. Yeah. And unexpected gravitas in those moments. And you're like, oh my God, this is like childhood. And it's yeah. so honest and right in your oh, face. Oh, yeah. If, if you played Little League Baseball in right. the 1970s, right. you know, which, you know, unfortunately tipping the, the, uh, how old? Yeah, never mind. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, nodding back to the first thing that yeah, we did. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a magical time, and it, it, it peeled those onion-like layers away from the magic and showed yes, up for it what did. it really was. Yes, it did, and yet still won people over. This one was more like about snarky humor and like and misbehaving kids, and yeah, missed it. the yeah. relationship with with him and and and, and Tatum O'Neill obviously wasn't there. Yeah, it's just yeah, sorely lacking. And yeah. again, not Billy Bob's fault, no, but not at all. Not a good script. Yeah. So, eh. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So my number two, mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to go with uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal uh, replacing Katie Holmes as the Rachel Dawes character in Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy. Yeah. You know, not Maggie's fault. Katie ducked out. She didn't want to continue. You know, it was the old, quote unquote, scheduling conflicts, mm-hmm. you know, which more often than not is actually like a disagreement about how the character is going to progress right. behind the scenes. So, you know, we are going to save face and we are going to spin and say that scheduling wise, she couldn't do it. But, mm-hmm. you know, again, not bashing Maggie, but she ain't no, she ain't no Katie Holmes. Right, <laughs> no. right. And I, I, ironically, you know, that character was an amalgamation of a character from the comic books that wasn't a love interest. Yeah. It was a local doctor that worked in a clinic in Crime Alley in Gotham City that comforted him the night his parents were killed. Right. And he had a relationship with this older woman the rest of his life, and she even learns that he is Batman, totally disapproves of it, right. but has so much love for him because she's helped raise him just like Alfred did since he was a kid yeah. that she's like family, yeah. you know? Yeah. They took it, and it kind of worked with um, Katie Holmes in the first one with the whole origin story, you know, yeah. helps keep him grounded and oh, all. Oh, yeah. That one scene in the subway, you yes. know, when she whips around to tase the dude, and there's, there's Batman. Yep. That was a great scene. And oh, by the way, if you didn't already notice, folks, DC is Johnny's wheelhouse. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I have random facts. And there things. we go. You know, there we saying. go. So, but yeah, yeah uh, just again, you know, no just to Maggie, but, uh, but yeah, it just didn't work for me anyway. Yeah, and the vast majority of the audience said the exact same thing. Yeah. It just didn't work. Ugh. And they were mean because they were like, well, she's not as pretty as Katie, and she's oh, not. Oh, man. But oh, yet, yeah, yeah, left her own devices, a la that movie The Secretary with, mm-hmm. um, what's his name, the actor? Not Ethan Hawke. Uh, James Spader. Okay. Very. Have you ever seen that movie? The Secretary. No, oh my goodness. Oh yeah. It's it defines the word softcore porn. Oh my But it goodness. was like a good movie. Maggie throwing down. Yeah. All right. It's such All right. a subliminal, weird kind of way. I will say, given Topic the uh, for another day. What was the uh, <laughs> the HBO show that uh, Maggie was just doing recently, where she was playing a New York prostitute? Um, she prop- must have rechanneled that. Props to yeah. the girl. She has no fear. Yeah. You know, as an actress. You know, major props on the that. The juice was that it. The juice. I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, fearless, fearless actress, yeah. and you know, tip of the hat to her. You know, no diss, and I'm sure she's not going to be like, you know, kept up late at night over my opinion. <laughs> you of, never know. Well, you yeah, know. we're getting 10,000 yeah. downloads from somewhere. It this might be true. a famous one this doing it. You never know. know. You never know. So. <laughs> 
All right. What do you got, Johnny? Well, my, my number one out of all the selections that came up with, because this was an easy topic to do. Yeah. I stayed away from the low-hanging fruit, like Jared Leto coming after Heath Ledger at the Joker. Who could come after Heath seriously. Ledger after that? Yeah. That's, that's a no-brainer. No doubt. Uh, and I, I could have went Andrew Garfield after Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man. But again, yep. everyone else agrees he sucked. Another slam dunk. So, uh, of course, another one. Timothy Dalton after Roger Moore. Uh, Even if you weren't a fan of Roger Moore, nobody liked Timothy well, Dalton. Well, that was a funny progression because Roger Moore after after Sean Connery, mm-hmm. that was like, eh. yeah, you know. But then they took it down one more level. <laughs> they went from super campy to overly serious. Yeah, we don't want Shakespeare as as a James yeah. Bond. So the one I settled on, uh, near and dear to my heart, because it, it's about one of my favorite movies. Yeah. Uh, Adam Sandler after Burt Reynolds yep. as Paul Crew in The Longest Yard. Unfortunately, another of the what the fuck were you thinking yeah. moments. And it was cute, and it was a moneymaker, and if you'd never seen the original, like the Adam Sandler one holds up with yeah. Chris Rock, and they've got cameos instead of really like all ex-NFL players. They have professional wrestlers in there yep. and all this. Yep. And it was fun. It was a nice little movie. Yeah. But there's something about the original that resonates yes. really because of Burt Reynolds. He's believable yeah. as this guy that when he finally when he first goes into prison, he's got nothing. His yeah. career's over, yeah. his knee's shot, he's like a boy toy to this really obnoxious actress. Yeah. It, it was believable. You can't believe Adam Sandler was ever a professional athlete yeah. on any level. No. And in you know, in all Fairness. That was back when Bert was just killing it. Oh yeah, you know, he, he, he do no wrong. Yeah, you know, later on in his career, it kind of became a tongue-in-cheek joke character you know? of himself. Yeah, but very he's coming off so. like White Lightning, Gator, and then the Longest Yard. Yeah, and, and Deliverance. deliverance. <laughs> I mean, come on. I'm like, damn. So he was yeah. a badass, and yet it was he was comical in that because yeah. people could relate to him and like him. Well, the man had good comic timing. He really yes. did. Yes. You know, he was he was a talented guy. It's like he became a you know, other than Boogie Nights, of course, he kind of became yeah. a character of himself, caricature. Yep. Um, and yeah, you know, props to um, anyone who would want to take on that role. I forced you into Adam Sandler's thinking. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you're not gonna, you're not gonna. And kudos to Bert for even making a cameo in the movie. Yeah. As the uh, role, I forget the name of the actor, the guy that was on Hill Street Blues, uh, played the character in the original one of the. Old retired football player that happens to be right, in the prison right, right, right. You know, yes, that day. Yes, I remember, but I even still, Nate Scarborough. Was the, yeah, Nate was, was that? Yeah, the character was Nate Scarborough. Nate Scarborough. Yeah, and his his dream was he was a former player and he just wanted one more touchdown. So yep, yep. he runs his old ass out there and he blows out his knee. You know, oh, but he gets that touchdown. Yeah, and it's like, what's not to love? But. Well, I will a, submit... It was fucking stupid to try and remake that movie, quite honestly. Totally, totally. And I will submit that I had an argument with an ex-girlfriend at one point who yeah. said, in cinema, the worst warden ever was the warden from Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. Which, I'm not going to disagree, but Eddie Albert's performance oh, in the God. original Longest Yard oh, yeah. is sublimely sinister. Yep. Especially for a former child star that went on to play Perry White in the Superman movies. Yep. That's all I got. You for know, that. another another <laughs> you know example of you know how bullshit Hollywood can be. It's like you should have left that one alone. Yeah, totally. You know, you don't you don't remake Citizen Kane. Mm-hmm. You know, just don't. And I'm saying to myself, why is there a scalpel on the table in front of our <laughs> broadcast equipment? How did this even get uh, here? I I I, I got is no that explanation a poor for that. Of things to come. Oh, Are you going to take my kidney? Um, wasn't really thinking about it. Not tonight, anyway. All right, I don't. That's kind of odd. That's weird. Yeah. Random things sitting in front of us. A little okay. departure. Little departure. 
<laughs> but like speaking of, and mm. you know, we're gonna we're gonna bust a can of can of worms with this one. Uh, my number one is going to be George Clooney replacing Val Kilmer as Batman. Yeah. Um, they seem to be, you know, on a descending arc. You know, Michael Keaton killed at the first two films, apparently didn't want to do a third one. Val Kilmer came in, you know, no diss to Val, not a great script at all. Right. But Val has this streak of darkness. But if you look at, like, the roles that Val has played over the course of his career, you know, <laughs> Wonderland was a good example. Even uh, the Western... Uh, Tombstone. He, Tombstone, yeah. you know, the Doc Holliday character has that streak of, you know, something dark, something... Mm -hmm. yeah. Or even Ghost in the Darkness with yeah. uh, Michael... Who was it? Yeah, the... Douglas, yeah. Michael Doug Douglas. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> you know, Val has always, always embodied that kind of character, which right. fit with Batman. And Clooney coming after him doesn't have that, just doesn't yeah. have that. You know, the whole like you said once before, in it for the paycheck. Yeah. It was obvious. Batman and Robin was awful, yeah. you know, and he, Clooney played the whole thing tongue-in-cheek, mm -hmm. you know, kind of like, what the fuck am I doing here? Which right. is what all of us were asking, what the fuck are you doing? And not, uh, not that I don't totally blame Joel Schumacher. Yeah, <laughs> really, seriously. But still, I mean, yeah, it's like, in all these instances, good actors won it all. It's yeah. not like they put a flop in to replace this, this storied character, whoever it may have been. True enough. But yeah, like uh, yeah, I, you love using the word zeitgeist, and you're right. It's lightning in a bottle. Once, yeah. leave it alone. Don't yeah. even try. It's like if they were to remake, not that God forbid they would ever do this, but if they chose to remake The Godfather today, yeah. name an actor that could play Don Corleone. No one. Nobody. They don't Nobody exist. even close. Yeah. You know. You know, but in all honesty, you know, the debacle that was Batman and Robin mm -hmm. uh, really kind of made the Christopher Nolan trilogy very poignant and very, very successful. Right. You know, because you came off of that fucking disaster. You know, Nolan's adherence to the legitimacy of what the Batman canon. was, yeah. you yeah. know, really made it that much more, wow, slam dunk. So it was not without purpose, but, uh, but yeah, Clooney never should have gone there. No way you could follow up on what Val Cameron did with Batman. Yeah, he needs to stay in his wheelhouse of yeah. like gamblings and robes <laughs> and things of that nature and doctors and yeah, where the tongue in cheek shit works. Right, and yeah. now that you know superhero movies are all de rigueur. Damn. I mean, yeah, there's no place for him to come back and and, and visit. You know, no. you got somebody like Daniel Defoe who has played. Um, Lord Volko in the Aquaman movie played the Green Goblin. Yep. And I'm sure they could find another way to stick it in another movie. Because <laughs> these guys, and there's a lot of actors now that have been in multiple superhero movies, yeah. but they, they get it, you know? Yep. And yeah, I mean, maybe Defoe is a bad example because he's an actor's actor. Yeah. But a lot of them, they, can, they drift in and out seamlessly. And for some, it's just not there. Yeah. You know, you want to yeah. be a devilish rogue and a gambler and a thief and stuff like that. Clooney, have at it. Yeah. Okay, you yeah. Frank Sinatra wannabe, have at it. <laughs> Leave the rest of and, the shit yeah, to and, the professionals. And, yeah. and good luck with the Frank Sinatra shit, too. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so anyway. The, yeah, so there you have it, folks. That is, let me repeat this line again. Uh, our top three worst actors or actresses to play a role after someone else knocked it out of the park. You poor bastards. Longest title ever. Okay, yeah. And, and poor bastards, don't ever do it again. You've Indeed. been warned. Indeed. That being so said... Yeah, we got another topic in mind here, though, don't yes, we? Yes, sir. We have the rare, elusive second subtopic. Yikes. Which was brought to us by the likes of one stupid-ass individual. <laughs> name of, of Cam Newton. Asshole! What in God's name was he thinking? 
and that's the name of the subtopic. <laughs> <laughs> or was it like, how could they not have known? But normally we put that on it yes, once their career is yes. like over, over. Well, let's 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 slate this up appropriately. Okay. okay. How could he not have known? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> what the fuck? Oh my god! Cam. So here's really? Cam Newton on some interview radio show. It was bullshit. the million dollars worth of game podcast. Yeah, I'm sure that's a big which banger. could have been renamed Open Mouth Insert Foot. <laughs> Is that produced by Alec Baldwin? Oh my Jesus! You couldn't resist. <laughs> I could couldn't. <laughs> I gave oh. it a shot. Oh, but yeah, fired up the Twitterverse <laughs> and said things. I mean, do we have the actual quote? I, 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 quote? I actually do. Uh, Bring it, sir. He said something along the lines of, quote-unquote, knowing how to cater to a man's needs. Uh, went on to say that he made reference to boss bitch. Uh-huh. Whatever uh-huh. the fuck that means. Uh, but, quote-unquote, you can't cook. You don't know how to be quiet. You don't know how to allow your man to lead. Yeah. You know, in watching this clip... <laughs> And you know, Cam's got his boys around him. He's got his he's got his guys. He's got his collection of Why yes men. Why didn't somebody stop him? Why didn't somebody jump in, grab his mic, tackle him? Yeah. You know what the fuck? Because here's the bottom line. I mean, and and referencing boss bitches, that's a, a term of empowerment to women these days. Is that what that is? Yeah. Wow. And because they know how to get shit done, and and they're they're living their own lives, they're getting their own nails done, they're paying their own bills, and more power to them. For whatever reason, he he. he Chose to pick a fight with that moniker, okay? Yeah, yeah. And look, let's let's face it, gentlemen out there, <laughs> you're never going to win an argument going against a group of women. Hell's to the no. You're just not, okay? And not only that, but you know, unless you haven't figured this out already, there's a a, a group of really like despicable, <laughs> disgusting, useless fucking human beings that are out there in the Twitterverse just sitting in wait Oh yeah, for this kind of shit to validate their existence. Like lions in the tall grass. Yeah. And, waiting you know, for a weak, elderly, or incoherent yeah. celebrity to say something stupid. Indeed. And Cam's been down this road before. You know, the yes. 2017 comment about how it was funny to hear girls talking about Sport, receiver roots or yeah, some yeah, shit like yeah. that. You know, but one of the things I'd like to push on this is let's keep it in perspective, folks. You know, he didn't advocate beating women. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't advocate, uh, you know, anything discriminatory or anything like that. He just basically yep. came off as a Cro-Magnon. But here's the thing. In today's day and age, especially on any form of social media, if you don't get it, you're going to get got. Yeah. And by that, I mean acceptance is key. I mean, whether you believe this shit or not is irrelevant. Who cares? Really? But when you're talking to the masses in today's day and age, yes. 2022... You've got to be understanding, you've got to be respectful, and you've got to uh, belay your own, I say, misperceptions or just really perceptions about a lot of things and and toe that line. Well, there's an old school concept, know your audience. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Read the room. Read the room, baby. Yeah. And here's a guy that, look, his career is winding down, and I thought, since we got to see him briefly as the Patriots quarterback... And he, we thought he picked up the, uh, the the skill of keeping his mouth shut. Well, he did a hell of a job in coming in after the goat. Yeah, you know, and you know, came out of that with an all new level of respect for yep. Cam Newton. Truly did. And then when he left us, he he played all of one game with the Carolina Panthers, had a good showing, and then bang, the mouth starts again. Okay, yeah. and then the rest of the season, he was a complete non-factor until I believe they actually benched him for somebody. Yeah. But now here's a guy. He's a free agent. 
nobody's knocking on his door because it's clear his arm is, is a noodle now. He can't even throw the ball. Yeah. His knees are shot. He can't run the way he used to. Oh, he's taking a couple hundred thousand hits at yeah. this point yeah. to the body. You know. So what he should be doing is making himself palatable to the masses to get a cushy broadcasting job or at least become a face on one of the many deuses of the pregame shows. A potential, potential route to take, sure. Right. You know? Here's what you don't do. You get up spouting Jimmy the Greek-esque stupid nonsense about women yeah, in front of then, a nationwide yeah, audience. And antagonizing the Twitter assholes. Right? Because you know? what he's doing is he's talking to that stereotypical uh, barbershop guys get together kind of thing. Let's talk about life how it is. Guess what? It ain't, and you certainly don't want to air that shit out to the masses because they're not going to buy it. Well, that's the thing is, you know, if you want to have that opinion, you're more than welcome to sure. it. Sure, um, but don't don't put it out for mass consumption. Right. So next next year, when he's like mowing lawns for a living, Ooh. I don't want to hear "poor me, you're against me because I'm black." Just stop the shit because <laughs> you know that's the direction it's going to go in. Oh, they got the boot heel on my neck. No, no, they don't. You fucked up. You said stupid shit, and people are reacting accordingly. And the thing that, that's most <laughs> stunning about this, Mike, is that he hasn't come out with even the lamest apology yet. That is kind of funny, actually, to, to we're think well about it. Because we're well after a week of it happening, well, and the, the, there's the nothing. Two, the 2017 comment was so much more benign mm-hmm. than this, and he you know, immediately corrected right. and you know, came across with that, whoops, sorry, shouldn't have said that. But plus, look... You know, athletes at their peak, when they're contributing and they're scoring touchdowns and shit, they can get away with a lot. We've seen it time and time again. Yeah. But now that, like I said, with everything on the decline, he doesn't have that cushion anymore. He's a stunt man jumping out of a building and hitting the ground. There's mm. no more protection. Mm. So yeah. this, this is going to haunt him in a way I don't think he ever anticipated it would. It might, unfortunately, because of the sensibilities of mm-hmm. the Twitterverse, which is why I hope Elon Musk like comes along, takes over Twitter, and crushes it. I'm kind of looking forward <laughs> wow. to that. Wow. Yeah. That's something, folks, we thought we'd never hear. <laughs> Mike is rooting for Elon Musk. It is on. I the closest admit. thing we have in this world to a Bond villain, by the way. Well, you know, <laughs> other than the occasional PSA, I see no value to Twitter whatsoever. So, you know, if Elon wants to come along and fuck around with it. As far as I'm concerned, it could only it's go... A, it's a complicated business. It, yeah, yeah, a little it bit. A little bit. And yeah, he's an interesting <laughs> dude, to say the least. But clearly an herb smoker. Yeah. You know, the 5420 offer on the shares, <laughs> that was cute. You know, the 420 joke. And Twitter's uh, not easy. You have to be a young person to really navigate Twitter. Yeah. I get on Twitter, it's like uh, I'm a surfer wearing like concrete shoes. It's yeah. just not good. I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, I see. I don't even bother. <laughs> I don't even bother. But anyway, Anywho. this whole package does have an excuse built in for us to do a third jab. Yeah, we go. Something that somehow relates to people just, well, I don't know, just not getting it right. And I, and I got to say, you know, uh, props where they are deserved. This was a Johnny suggestion <laughs> and truly inspired, I must say. But it builds inspired. off of your, your final gem from two episodes ago, the infamous Rumpelstiltskin episode, <laughs> right. where you pulled out the song Gold with, was it, uh, John Stewart and... And, and Stevie Nicks Stevie and the guest vocal. Yes, it kind of oh, has like, that same... 1976, 77 vibe yep. to it. That so when you weren't looking, I jumped into your now empty time <laughs> capsule, went back, and brought my own gem. Nice. So, yes, folks, here's the Climax Blues Band. There we go. It's just funny saying it. It is. With uh, Couldn't Get It Right. And we'll be back to wrap things up in just a couple minutes. Stay tuned. Drifting the 
of the 70s, the late 70s, mind you. Late a very, 70s, yeah. A very yeah. funky era indeed. I was but a young lad, in, <laughs> in long pants, mind you, no short pants, but a young lad of what, third, fourth grade, some shit like that? Yeah. Where were Oof. you in 1976? Ugh, actually, was that 76? That was 76. That was Shit, uh, I wasn't even in kindergarten yet. Yeah, it was from their album Gold Plated, and uh, interesting way the song came about, as was frequently the case, has been frequently the case, mm-hmm. in the industry that is rock and roll, they turned in the original album and they came back and they, being the record label, said, we don't hear a single. Uh-oh. You know, we don't, we don't hear it, guys. What are we doing? So they whipped around, wrote this song, and boom, there you go. You know? And it was, you know, it's, it's kind of funny when you think of the uh, Climax Blues Band. This was their eighth album. Wow. You know, they had already established themselves in the music industry you know, it was a touring band. They made some money, but they just never had the hit. Huh. You know, and then there you go. This is this is the hit from right, the Climax right. Blues Band, 
And don't think they ever had a hit after that, but wow. you know, they made their mark. They did their thing. They did. And this song was a staple of AM Gold oh, as yeah. they back in the day. And yep. and for me, you know, it just reminded me of a, of a summertime night, windows down, riding around, doing whatever. Yeah, man. All kinds of activity, people out and about doing Summer stuff. Summer of seventy six, yeah. Yeah, just just a, a good time. And I, yep. I I like, even though I know at some point it's going to come to an end, but I like us reaching back for these, these 70s AM gold yeah, hits, man. man. Yeah, there's some tasty stuff, definitely. So all of you fun. people out there in the news and those about to make news, keep doing what you're doing, okay? <laughs> it's making our job a lot easier. Indeed. And I mean that in more ways than one. <laughs> <laughs> so it was as usual at this time, at, uh, or at, at this point in the show, I uh-huh. usually say, what do we got going in Big Boom Radio this week, Johnny? Oh, my God. I'll tell you what. Balls to the wall listenership. Breaking nice. records, breaking hearts. Yeah. The uh, this podcast in particular. Well, now we've well crossed over the threshold of nine thousand downloads. Nice. I, I think we're flirting with legitimacy. Oh dear lord, really? Weird, right? Yeah. And we I must I, drink more. I, I guess yeah. so whatever we're doing, we need to do twice as much, and we'll <laughs> I, be twice as successful. I'm thinking so. And you know, looking at we're not on the uh, like on the uh, iTunes top one hundred yet. Yeah. Which I'm skeptical of. I, I don't think we kiss enough ass, seriously. Because <laughs> for two guys with absolutely no claim to fame whatsoever, but the amount of like listeners we have, as I look around the country and the world for that matter, something's off. Well, that's a, that's a crazy thing. Is apparently we do have an audience. We do, know? and you know more power to them. And again, burgeoning Midwest, the flyover states, if you will. Yeah. Which clearly is because they love me. They don't want anything to do with you. <laughs> You own L.A. I will. I will bequeath New York to you. Fair enough. Up here in New England, it's a crapshoot. Indeed. But yeah, I own. I own the, the middle flyover states, I'll and give I'm it cool to with you. that. Yeah, I'm cool with that. That's all Hello, right. Hello, Texas. Hello. So send all your busloads of, of migrants over to Mike's house. Because <laughs> I am you, with you on that one. You knew that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, overall, uh, everything is good. Yeah, uh, we like to wish everybody, of course, a happy Easter, indeed, as well as a happy Passover. Yep, I think we're also at the tail end of Ramadan. Yeah, I think so. It's you know the, the the holiest time of the year, and maybe if I gotta be a little preachy, stop being shits to each other. I'm talking to you, Putin. I mean, if I'm gonna go over to myself and take your ass out, that's what we're getting to. Okay. Oh God. So, just hey, it's the springtime. Yeah, yeah we got hope th- springs eternal. Yeah, we got we got through the winter. You know, we're on the other side of it, folks. So, uh, so yeah, yeah. we should be a little better to each other than we've been over the last couple months. Yeah, so, so let's let's amp up the celebration because summer's right around the corner. Hells to the air. And personally, me and this guy across me are not taking our foot off the pedal. Absolutely not. And thank you so much, as always, for listening. And that's it for this episode. So, as always, I'm Johnny Teflon. And I'm Michael Sean Lee. And we'll see you all on the flip side.